Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. We're looking at superhero origins with multiple retellings. This will be part one of two. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smithereens. And I'm Clifton. So everyone loves a good superhero origin, and with some of these characters being so old, you get multiple versions from time to time. Um, comics retell origins sometimes, or the character makes a jump to TV or movies. And the origin gets reworked a bit uh, um, to, to kind of uh, freshen it up for the times. Um, so we're looking at characters that have multiple versions of their origin and dissecting the similarities and the differences. So I thought it would be pretty natural to go ahead and start with Spider-Man because, uh, you know, had multiple origins within comics, within movies, animation. Um, you know, so I think he would be he's a fun one to start with. So let's go ahead with with him. It does seem like they reboot him all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and I did see a tweet the other day on that topic of somebody saying, is Hollywood all right? They haven't rebooted Spider-Man in a while. <laughs> <laughs> right. It is a complex origin, which which mm-hmm. I think I said in, in, in our celebration of Spider-Man turning 60. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas. You know, really quick, uh, what, basically what I said there is that like instead of like like a one event thing for Spider-Man, he has two events that are tied to his origin a lot, which I think is, is um, you know, not customary for the rest of comics, at least not not with his contemporary characters. So um, but really quick, Frank, do you want to just give us a quick uh, summary of like what you generally see in a Spider-Man origin? Like what are the immovable pieces? Sure. Uh, Peter Parker is a wallflower student at Midtown High, lives with his aunt and uncle, uh, goes to a science exhibit, gets hit by a radioactive spider, gets full of himself, comes Spider-Man, or comes Spider-Man, gets full of himself, and then because of his hubris, uh, his loved one dies, and then he learns with great power comes great responsibility. They're real. And then becomes a superhero and starts punching bad guys. Right. From then on. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So it. yeah, so that's it. I mean... That's basically Amazing Fantasy 15, right? Is is yes. all of those, you know. Give or take uh, a panel. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a fantastic comic. It's a great, great, um, it's a great origin, top mm-hmm. to bottom. You know, right. I love it. Um, what jumps out to me when, when you start getting into Ultimate Spider-Man, I'll say, which I think for me is the first, like, like retelling I've read of it. Okay. Where... It's different in the sense that, like, one, his origin spread out over six issues instead of, <laughs> instead of one True. comic, right? Right. Um, but this is the first instance f- where, where I've noticed the word radioactive gets replaced with genetically mm-hmm. altered. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of an interesting... Because, um, I mean, at the time when Spider-Man was created in 60, 61, 62, right? Like... Radioactive was a buzzword, mm-hmm. right? Like we didn't know what it was. It was somewhat mysterious at the time, right? Like I mean, we knew obviously, like like you know, it, it was it was the it was the window of 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 real life that could that lent itself to science fiction very easily, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I remember Bendis kind of talking about like our genetically al- like genetically altered is now our version of radioactive in the sixties. Like it's like, we'll just, we can just tack that on in front of whatever. And it's like, I get it. Okay. Yep. That works. You get superpowers. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Instead yeah. of cancer. 
Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, at that point in, in the sixties, you still had people that were going to, to nuke, you know, atomic bomb tests and just wearing like paper cardboard sunglasses to avoid the glare. So they didn't really know <laughs> what was going to happen any more than genetically modified stuff. I guess you could argue now. So, but that's a big change. Yeah. That's, that's the first one that, that jumped out to me for that one. Um, the other one is that um, I think I mentioned this also in, in the other Spider-Man episode that we talked about, but this is the one where like Spider-Man actually is like in the wrestling business mm. as it more appears these days. Right. And not like, right. Like he's actually like, he's a wrestler <laughs> um, yeah. as opposed to like being put in this weird, like it's not all kayfabe. Yeah. Beat this bad, beat this wrestler in three minutes and you can win a car. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Cause like that doesn't have, like that's not the wrestling business at all <laughs> anymore. Um, right. If they even did that back then, which I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> but what I think is interesting about that though, too, is that the other change there is that the Spider-Man costume is actually made by the wrestling promotion. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> you don't like that. Okay. I don't like that. No, I don't okay. care for that. Nope. How come? Um, I, I think it's one of those things where it's, it's, Part of what it, what's great about Spider-Man for me has always been the fact that yes, Peter Parker is a fine character on his own, and eventually Peter Parker becomes more and you know less and less of a wallflower, but still has issues and hum, you know human problems. But I think it's one of those things where what Spider-Man also does is, is by being transformative for Peter is to showcase a lot of the things that he didn't really like. He knew how to do, but until he puts on a costume, he's not really sure enough of himself to actually do it. And I think one of the Spider-Man, but him making the costume himself is one of those instances of like, you could do this. And then, you know, it's done because he has to be like, it It necessitates that need for him to be able to do stuff that he wouldn't normally do. Like he never would have made a Spider-Man costume on his own unless the, the, the moment was like, I can win $300 by going, you know, three minutes to crush your Hogan. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Much the same way. Like he develops like the, 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 the web shooters and he develops the, the, um, the spider signal and all that stuff. He never would have done any of that stuff. He wouldn't have gotten off his ass to do it <laughs> except for the fact that he needs to do it as Spider-Man. Sp- the spider tracers are the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff is ingenuity because he has to for, for the sake of being, you know, being a better Spider-Man and in turn being a right. better Parker as a result. So I don't like the, I don't like the idea that it was handed to him. Okay. What do you guys think? Well, no, I mean, they made contemporary changes to it. I mean, with the understanding of who Peter is, I mean, they kind of dumbed down his genius and more his, I guess, good-natured uh, friendliness, for lack of a better term. Or instead of him making as much, he has friends that help him do this stuff, if that makes any sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Over the time. So, <laughs> I mean, over time, he's more of a kid, less of a genius, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm I'm okay with it because it's more plausible over time because, I mean, Peter's great, but, you know, he's still broke. Right. So <laughs> so, so him making technological advancements with garbage is still, it's hard to uh, fathom sometimes. What do you think, Clifton? And I don't hate it. I don't hate that it came that way. I actually didn't remember. It's been ages and ages and ages since I read any Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't remember it actually in context that well, but I mean, I also do always like the, the Peter that, that is kind of like on his own, having to do everything on his own. I do kind mm-hmm. of like that yeah. aspect of Peter too. It's just him versus everything. Yep. Yeah. 
I don't have an opinion about it one way one way or the other. I think I, I think I guess what he was going for is that costume looks complicated, and I think that it's, <laughs> he's just kind of scratching the itch of like I couldn't do that in high school, so why, right. why would he? Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Um, and depending on the tellings, like depending on the versions, it definitely you're like, how did a kid make that? Like, right. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's not bad. That's not terrible. Like, yeah, you know, maybe it may had him sewing and he picked up some things, but right. Yeah. When it's got like 3d webbings and stuff on it, I'm like, I don't know how he made that. <laughs> yeah. No, perfect. Exactly. Like in the Raimi movie. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely perfect. Cause the one he makes for the wrestling match kind of sucks. Right. <laughs> like oh, it's, yeah, yeah. it does look like it's, it's thrown, thrown together. Right. Um, well, I do think they do a good job with it. In in um in Civil War, like the fact, or, or Civil War, like in the, the other, like the Tom Holland stuff, they do make a good, you know, it makes it look like it's something that a kid had to throw to get. Like Tommy was saying, he made it with garbage. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's the sweatshirt and goggles. Yeah, yeah, I think it's done the best there. Yeah, that costume does definitely looks like what you know. If you're being more realistic, I don't know. In my mind, it was always that Aunt May, you know, took a couple looks at Peter, was like. He's always going to be alone. I better teach him how to be resourceful. And he's, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's got yeah. his nose, he's got his nose in far too many books. Cause the reason it reinforces that is the fact that, you know, for the longest time, she's trying to get him together with his, his with uh, her friend, Anna's really nice niece who has a great personality. Peter's like, I don't have time for that. Um, mm. You know, but I, I think I, you know, I, I was, it was either that or home at classes between Aunt May and home at right. classes. Peter, Peter learned how to sew. So. I didn't have an issue with it either that or either that, or if you're like, I know at one point they did like a minus one, uh, amazing Spider-Man where you find out that uncle Ben had comics from world war two and he was a fan of cap. So I, maybe Pete was an early cosplayer, you know, and did his own <laughs> okay. thing. You know, that was the other thought I had. Yeah. But, uh, but the funny thing is like, there's one of the, what the retellings or the, the, the reimaginings of Spider-Man's origin happens right before ultimate Spider-Man. And it doesn't mm-hmm. ever get talked about because it was just not well received. Um, okay. And I think the other one, the other thing about it is Ultimate Spider-Man doesn't say it's replacing continuity. Like it's his own thing. It's its right. own universe. Yeah. And I think that, I think that goes a long way with being accepted or, or being swallowed by the fandom. Um, mm-hmm. But the one that, that came to mind when we were, I was thinking about this was uh, Spider-Man chapter one by John Byrne. Not familiar with it. Oh yeah. I forgot all about this. And it comes out in, in December of 98 and runs through October of 99. While Ultimate Spider-Man number one, I believe, comes out in uh, September of 2000. So it's not that far from it. Right. Right. But it was a, it was an attempt to update a lot of things. And, you know, and then like, you know, for example, it had, you know, um, I think it's the first place we have the idea that Octavius, Dr. Otto Octavius, uh, Dr. Octopus, worked for Norman Osborn. Okay. Just to make that whole thing of like that, you know, to tie that loose end together. Um, I think it's also the place where they like, it ties like uh, when that explosion happens and he gets the radioactivity that, that causes him to have control of, of the arms. It's also the same place where the Sandman is somewhere nearby. So therefore he gets his power. Like it, it's a lot of tying up those kind of threads right. long before we got spectacular yeah. Spider-Man, the animated series where they, they kind of do a little bit of that there. I remember that I remember from um, the chapter one thing. I remember that that they he turned essentially like one, the the event that he gets the spider bite is also the event that creates a whole bunch of villains 
Yeah, that and the could thought be process was that so like there isn't an explosion going off in New York like every week that's creating a bad guy. <laughs> right. So instead right. of having like so many, he put it all he like did it all in one shot. Mm-hmm. Which I, I get, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's tough. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, as we've talked yeah. about before, when when you're writing stuff, you don't want the circle to be quite so tight that every the you know everybody's tripping over everybody's origin. Yeah. You know, and you can you know, and in a city like New York where a million superhero stories happen, it's not that remarkable that there would be that many explosions that give people powers. Right. right. I'm sure we'll run into that on others where in in some origins they do that same thing with other characters. I can think mm-hmm. of a few that we might hit later in this episode. Mm. But someone I think someone made the joke that, you know, they were they were saying that because um Sandman and, and Norman Osborn have the same sort of haircut that they would be related. Like that was right. like the, another thread <laughs> that he would be trying to put together. Yeah. They both um, got the waves. Yeah. Yep. You know, old Uniroyal head. So that's not um, a style that's genetic. Yeah. It's genetic. So therefore that's why they looked alike, you yeah. know, but it's, it wasn't bad. The only thing about it that I think also didn't work was Byrne also did a stent on amazing. And I think Peter Parker, Spider-Man at the time, and this is something we can talk about when we talk about other uh, revamping of origins, the idea of they do a revamp or a, a soft reboot of a character's origin and then immediately funnel it into what's going on currently in the book mm-hmm. so that the books have to react to that origin. And that was a lot of what was like, I think people put, had a lot of pushback on chapter one was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> We're having to react in real time, basically, like this chapter one's coming out and then this month's Amazing Spider-Man and this month's Peter Parker Spider-Man immediately plays off of chapter one. Uh, I see. So it made it like, you know, it made like you had to buy chapter one, even if you didn't want to find out about chapter one. Right. Got it. And then the other thing was real quick. The other thing was that untold tales was going on. And while that's not a retelling, it's more of like filling in the gaps around those early Spider-Man issues. And we've talked about how great that um, Kurt Busiek and Pat Olive book is. Um, It also kind of ignored and negated what was going on in untold tales. So I don't know how much that was behind the scenes of those two camps, not really getting along or jibing together. With right. Kurt and, and Kurt Busiek and Byrne at the same, John Byrne at the same time doing their different books. But it's kind of hard to revamp the origin when you have a book that's telling stories around the origin also at the same time. Right. So. Yeah, I forgot all about that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, not necessarily tied to the origin, but Ultimate did kind of have, uh, like, its presence is felt in the first Raimi movie, I think, for sure. Like, there are there are different aspects that, that they took from Ultimate, which, which we don't have to get into because... You know, it's not necessarily origin related, but there's there's just bits with like, you know, MJ being the next door neighbor and, mm. you know, and stuff like that mm. um, and being right there from the get go. And while she and while she wasn't necessarily his neighbor, there are there's like a, a, a gra- like a, a graphic novel that came out. Oh, I don't know. Early. Late 80s. No, late. Yeah. Late 80s, early 90s. It was called Parallel Lives. It basically showed how closely their lives were together, even when they weren't together. So like mm-hmm. she was there because her, you know, her, you know, um, to quote a movie, her, her home life was unsatisfying. So she spent a lot of time in her aunt Anna's who happened to be next door. So she was right. over there all the time. They just didn't run into each other is what the story. Right. Was. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a little bit, I mean, cause, yeah. Cause in amazing Spider-Man there's, there's the tease for MJ's debut mm-hmm. the whole time. Right. Which you don't get yeah. in ultimate Spider-Man and you don't get in the movie because it's like, she's right there next door. And the yeah. difference is that in Ultimate, like, they're friends, and, and you know, in the movie, he's kind of, you know, he's got a crush on her, but is too nervous to talk to her. Right. Basically. But, um, so I got a question. So, <laughs> stupid, stupid small detail, but um, 
So it's not Crusher Hogan in the Raimi movie. It's no. Bonesaw McGraw. <laughs> was that used? Was that character used anywhere else before? I don't, f- don't think so. Okay, um, I could be wrong, but okay, I don't know for certain. But I think that part was just of me the thinks first- that's that's just because Randy Savage didn't want to be named Hogan. Probably, <laughs> possibly, Probably. possibly, he, he <laughs> yeah. might have just thrown this name out himself, and they went with it. Right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And then when time comes to get to the Garfield movie, the Garfield movies, I think, are the ones Amazing Spider-Man or like kind of plays the most loose with the origin a bit. Like, I think this is the one where it's it's I don't want to say radically different, but it's definitely right. Like, like, uh, well, well, hold on before are we go. OK, let's we're kind of I think we're kind of skipping over the biggest change from the Spider-Man movies. We, we mentioned for a second there. I did mm-hmm. was the, the organic web shooters is a huge change. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's even more so like, you know, there's a spoiler if you if you've seen um uh the current Spider-Man movie, it's talked about, right? Yep. <laughs> there's that's that that whole bit isn't mentioned <laughs> in there. But, but that's a big I mean, that's a big departure from from the comics for sure. And they even they even attempt to like have that reflection in the comics by having, you know, the I can't remember what the, the, the I can't remember what the story is, but there's some story where they try to revamp it to make Peter be more spider-ish. Mm-hmm. But you know, the idea that, you know, Peter didn't come up with web fluid, didn't come up with web shooters, but organically produces web fluid. Right. Right. It's a pretty big departure. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, I get it. That's I another one. We've, we've, just, we've talked about it before. Like, you know, that's, you know, I don't feel as strongly about yeah. the, the organic web shooter hate as, as right. I think, as I think some of the other, you know, people. Mm-hmm feel about it online but i agree i mean it is like it's nice to see peter build them himself yeah yeah i don't hate it it's just one of these where it's just a big it's a big difference mm, yeah but you were saying the garfield movies i cut you off and then when you said garfield movies i thought I literally, I, I literally thought garfield the cat for a sec oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right so yeah when garfield the cat becomes spider-man it's way different <laughs> uh when John gets killed because Garfield <laughs> fails to stop the thief. Yeah. Anyway. Ooh, that's dark. He's eating lasagna. He's too busy eating right. his lasagna. Um, so the thing that jumps out to me for the Garfield movies is is the the thief is like just holding up a convenience store. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And it's like right. incidental that that Peter's there. It's not mm-hmm. it, like it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with with um something that peter or it's not like the wrestling promotion where the guy's like sticking up the wrestling promotion and peter's right. there because he's trying to get right. paid mm-hmm. <laughs> right i did i did watch it not long ago and they the reason it happens is that peter storms out like mm-hmm. they have an argument and he storms out and then uncle ben goes to look for him and that's why it's why peter goes to the convenience store is just to get out of the house Mm-hmm. And Uncle Ben is out there because he's looking for Peter because they were upset at each other. So right. there's still like, I mean, it felt a little more personal, honestly, that way, where I was just like, oh, yeah, like Peter being a dumb kid mm-hmm. is what did it this time. Right. And then the guy holding up the the uh, the convenience store gives Peter the milk he couldn't afford and he takes <laughs> it. I was like, oh, man, like you really screwed up, Peter. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah, that's right. He throws him the milk, right? Yeah, and he takes it. Yeah, he's just like, 
and then and then won't stop the guy because peter doesn't have enough money for it right because he's got like yeah, come on like it's like two cents yeah he's two right? cents short and they won't give it to yeah. him <laughs> any other thoughts about the garfield ones Oh, just they, they they start to tie the um don't they try to do the whole thing of like the possibility of that that and that Ma and Pa Parker were spies? Yeah. They're oh, yeah, definitely yeah. going strong into that. Uh, which did come from the comics, right? Or at least Yes. Yeah. Or they were these there were these novels that I never read that apparently those movies were really, really drawing from. Hmm. Okay. Like some Sinister Six Marvel novelizations. Hmm. I just remember somebody who read them in, uh, I mean, our, I feel like our engineer might've had them and told me about them, but yeah, there's just tons of where that, especially second movie was going, seemed to be drawn from, from these novels that came out in the nineties that I guess mm-hmm. director Mark Webb was a fan of, uh, maybe. And, and yeah, like the, the Parker parent espionage stuff was big in those I've heard. Yeah. I've not read them though. But yeah, I think it's I think it's like like a king size annual like number five. It's got this red skull in it, but it's also a thing of like it reveals. You know, we didn't realize that they were that was what they were up to. Mm-hmm. You know, and then every now and then it gets played with the idea that they were you know spies, and then they were agents of Shield. And then, right, it wasn't just you know, a car accident yeah. that orphaned no. Peter or whatever. Yeah. No, it, there was something more sinister because they right. were involved in espionage. That stuff I don't like. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a fan of. Okay, I admire that movie trying hard to to because it was the first one after like the mega successful Raimi ones, and it's like Mm -hmm. I admire them trying something different, and like maybe we can make them care about the parents and make that as sort of like an underlying uh uh thing, which you know, and Clifton, I'm with you a hundred percent on that too. Like I I I hate that crap. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to know anything about his folks. (laughs) <laughs> really right. that's not yeah. like a heartfelt that's not like a heartfelt like like thing that you know ben tells peter or may tells peter about like yeah like me and your parents used to do this or that you know right yeah don't yeah. don't make them james bond um <laughs> yeah but i mean also what i admire about that really quick too is like that's also like wrestling is removed completely from that mm-hmm. like like there's right. there's like a nod to it i think we're like it, there's yeah. like a, a luchador poster because they end up in a gym somewhere right okay. he falls through the roof of like an old mm-hmm. closed gym and sees a big luchador uh poster on the wall uh right after he somebody told him they saw his face so that's why he has it in his head that he needs a mask right like one of the criminals is like i saw you i know what you look like and then <laughs> and then he lands in front of that big mask poster Right. It's not necessarily uh, uh, clean, but I don't hate it. Right. You know, because I think the wrestling stuff can be a little messy, too. Yeah, like it, can, it can be a little odd. Also, right. so, I, so I'd like that somebody tried to 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 pull it out. Yeah. And, you know, but also in a weird way, like try and pay homage to it because like they're going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. So. Gotta get a costume from somewhere. The idea for it. So where do you guys want to go next? Let's have those pearls drop. Okay. <laughs> Which is a reference to <laughs> the Batman. <laughs> the Batman. Yep. The Batman. So everybody knows this story. It's we're gonna try and do this quick because God, there's 
a million versions of this scene out there. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I think that there I think on YouTube there's um there's like a a, a master edition of like of like every instance of the Wayne murders on film put together. Right? Just like yeah. one after another. You can just see like how many times in movies and cartoons and TV, like it's just been done over and over and over again. So yeah, I mean everybody knows that story. They're walking through an alley. Uh, Bruce and his parents. There's a mugger. Mugger draws a gun on them. Try, you know, robs them and then kills the parents and leaves Bruce alive. That's right. it broadly. But you had mentioned the pearls, Frank, mm-hmm. and I think that's the first big contribution to it. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Dark Knight Returns where you see it done the first time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um. And I think that that's really, really cool. But I, honestly, I think the pearls are really cemented into the into the mythos because of Batman 89. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. Right. Because I, I just think that like it's shot in a way that like it, it just puts so much attention to to the visual of the pearls hitting the pavement that I think is a little bit. It just sticks with you, I think, a lot more than than the art in Dark Knight Returns. Right. Where. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say you can miss it, but it's, you know, it's, it seems like it's not, not like, uh, the focal detail. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then of course, in Batman 89, there's the change that it's not Joe chill. It's the Joker. Right. That's who a, did that, was, it, which, that was a big one. That's that was a big, a big one. one. And for a long yeah. time that stuck in people's heads. We're like, I thought Joker, I remember that like being a Batman fan growing up and like, <laughs> Right. You know, and, and learning better later that, you know, I, was like, I thought Joker killed his parents. I was like, ah, no, uh, <laughs> it wasn't Jack Napier. No, right. no. <laughs> that guy's got a, uh, that actor has gotten an am- amazing smile. <laughs> yes. No. Like that's just his face. There's no prosthetics there. Yeah. Well, it was like, in, in also like there's a, I keep seeing the, 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 you know, with all the talk of Keaton being in, in some, you know, recent stuff as, as Batman, there's a lot of talk about, or I keep seeing the clip or I keep hearing about the clip of um, him spoiling that twist or that, that, that change like early mm-hmm. before, the, like before the movie came out, like on Letterman, I believe he says something about, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, and he kills my parents and the, and the, like you hear the audience go, huh? And like, even like, it, this is long before the internet or long before, <laughs> um, Spoiler, you know, spoilers. I mean, spoilers were a thing, obviously, but it wasn't like you know it would be all over the news by the next morning or that evening or whatever. So, but it was one of those moments of like, oh, really? You know, kind of like, uh, and I couldn't tell if it was it was like you know I don't know if he had like the like you know they always talk about Marvel wranglers like people can't say stuff about Marvel movies, and I always wondered about when I hear about that scene, I'm like, or him talking about it, I, I wonder whether or not. You know, whoever the rep was for Warner Brothers just put their head in their hands. It was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just said, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, about this movie that isn't even out yet. Not that it mattered. I mean, the movie made a bazillion dollars. So, yeah. So, yeah, ultimately, it didn't it didn't even matter. But but it is it is interesting, I think, when you get to like Batman Forever and stuff like that, when they when, you know, they've reshot it again. Mm-hmm. Um that it seems to to it, it seems to to not really stress the fact that it's the Joker, Mm-mm. right? And it's done, and and the the mugger certainly more in silhouette and everything like that, and and, and it, it like watching it 
later on, it does make me go like, I wonder if they're just flat out ignoring it, you know, possibly, and just doing it in a way that like, yeah, it's there, but it's, but it's also like, we don't want to like have to deal with, with that. Right. <laughs> you and, know, well, of like, could, could be a likeness thing. They don't want to deal with that, that guy with a killer smile or, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, alluding to the fact that that's, that's Nicholson or, you know, or maybe they didn't want to allude to the fact that, you know, maybe it was just the, 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 the feeling of, um, spoiler killing off the Joker in the first movie was probably not the best thing they could have done. Right. You know, but no way in that one. So what other additions to it? Have you seen or changes over, over media? The Gordon bit. Okay. Adding Gordon into the mix early. Like the idea that Gordon's there to like either, you know, wrap his, his, his patrolman's coat or his detective coat or whatever. I mean, we see that yeah. in what in Batman Begins, right? And then we see it again. It's, it's um, it. is he there in Batman Begins? It's definitely a flashback in Dark Knight Rises. I can't remember if it's in Batman Begins. Okay, to be honest, I'm embarrassed. It probably is. I'm okay. embarrassed to say I can't remember that. Uh, <laughs> but it's also like, but it's also did, in Gotham, right? When they did Gotham for sure, that was a big push. Was the idea that no Gordon was like was there from the beginning with him, yeah. right? Um, and that's a newer. That's a newer addition to things. I mean, Gotham yeah. just, you know, Gotham was like chapter one. Everybody's tripping over everybody, everybody long before Batman's even a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, there was, you know, everybody yep. that could possibly be involved in anyone's origin was definitely involved. Right. You know. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it, which, which kind of, th- which I always think is funny when you think about the end of Batman Begins, which is the whole thing about, no, you've changed things. You know, that whole thing of like the Joker saying, well, it's in, what's in, uh, uh, Dark Knight. But, but there's also the, the bit, the, the, the coda piece or the tag bit at the end of Batman Begins is like, oh, no, you know, the, things are escalated because of Batman, which is Gotham is like the inverse. It's like, oh, no, <laughs> all this yeah. stuff happened long before he gets there. So, yeah. they, you know, he's the answer, I guess, <laughs> right, is what they yeah. were thinking. But, right. Yeah. The other, the other one that I can think of is Brave and the Bold. Um, when they did it, the first time they did the murder sequence was actually like in the fourth episode, and mm. it's a Christmas episode. And so okay. the flashback that they did there is they made it so like Bruce is basically like a brat, you know, for not getting what he wanted on Christmas, and they take him out later to go to a movie to try and like you know, cheer him up or whatever. And then that's the, that's the fateful night when his parents are killed is also, it's the same day as Christmas. Oh, um, yeah. So that, that was one oh, that I remembered. Yeah. And interestingly <laughs> enough, but that's rough. Yeah, I know. Right. That's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a rough <laughs> like, holiday. Like, like it wasn't bad enough that it was, yeah. that it happens, but let's put it on Christmas. Yeah, of course. And then of course he's going to be the Scrooge for the story. Absolutely. Sure. How could you not? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the other thing is, 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 has the mask of Zorro, how long has the mask of Zorro been the movie? That's the one I always think about too, because it wasn't always that, was it? It's not all, I mean, Batman Begins, they go to like, like the Cirque du Soleil show. That's like <laughs> okay. De- Deflator Mouse or something, right? Sure. And isn't they don't they don't ever allude to like it's like the gray ghost or anything like that. It's always it's either like for the longest time for like I know since it's got to be the mid mid eighties. It's got to been Mask of Zorro. I know that yeah. one. it's been that one for a long time. It's but been, I, it's been like gray ghost and callbacks. Like I remember okay. like in the in in Justice League Unlimited's um, epilogue episode mm-hmm. when they were when they were toying with with um, Terry's origin. 
Okay. To to like to recreate Batman basically. Like it's Grey Ghost there. It's a Grey Ghost movie there. Oh, okay. They gotcha. get stopped. Yeah, Maybe that's but, what I'm thinking of. Maybe that's what I'm thinking mm. of. Okay. But yeah, I had to thought, again, thinking in prep for the episode, I was like, I couldn't remember what the hell, how long. It's just been, I know it's been for a really long time, but. Right. And then I was trying to think of what, what else it could have been before that, but. But that's what, I mean, it's, it's small details that get shuffled around a little bit, but really, I mean, it's, it's. Oh. You know, it's know, all intact. I, I know one, but again, it's, it's kind of a cheat if you haven't seen Batman. I mean, um. And it's it ties into like Legend of the Dark Knight is Descartes, right? That whole thing is isn't is a more modern thing, a modern character that's thrown into the mix of like basically people he trained with, kind of a thing, right? Yeah, where's Descartes start? Blind Justice, which is which was like written by like one of the screenwriters of Batman. I think it's Sam Hamm, I believe. Isn't that Sam Hamm? Okay, I believe so. Yeah, it's either there yeah. or it's in that. Um, is it in the Batman Who Fell? I can't remember if it's in that or not. He is in there. Yeah, he's got a panel in there in in the Man Who Falls. That's what it is. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about we're referencing the the was it in Blind Justice is around Batman five hundred, right? Mm-hmm. It's the anniversary issue, and then um, the Man Who Fell is is a Batman origin that's in um, the trade they added to the trade where they took other excerpts from the Secret Origins comic that was coming out right after Crisis in the eighties, mm-hmm. and it had I think it has uh, a retelling of Barry Allen Superman's. Origin, the Justice League, Martian Manhunter, and then they wrote a brand new story. I think Denny O'Neill writes the Man of Hell, right? I think so. But I think yeah, it was Denny one, O'Neill. Yeah. But I think that's where I think that's the first place that uh was it Henri Ducard? Yeah. Who's also in Batman Begins, sort of. Um Right. <laughs> which isn't which is a new addition. So uh oh, what about yeah. um what about speaking of, of characters that are added in, what about Lucius Fox? He's not in there from the beginning. Yeah, no, he's not in there from the beginning either. Um, I mean, yeah, certainly. I mean, he doesn't go back to the '30s. That's for sure. No, not for no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's one of those characters that I mean, that movie did a lot for for I guess beefing his character up. Mm -hmm. I think because it was you know, I mean, even Batman the animated series didn't do a whole lot with Lucius. I mean, he's in it certainly, but you know, you know, he's not a major character at all. And then suddenly after that. Yeah, basically after turning him in the queue, mm-hmm. you know he's everywhere, which is yep. good. I like that. I you know I think it's a good addition. I think it's one of one of the, my favorite things that Batman Begins does. Mm. You know, but all right. So who are we who are we tackling next? We got Superman, Green Lantern. We can do Miss Marvel for a recent one. Want to do Miss mm. Marvel? Sure. So I mean, recent character. So not a whole lot of different ones. Going on here, basically, you have basically her her initial uh, introduction into comics, which is what twenty fifteen, right, Clifton? Fourteen, I think. Fourteen, fourteen okay. or fifteen. You know, and then um, and then the TV show from just the you know a few months ago. As far as I know, those are the only two tellings of it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Pretty maybe sure. she showed up in a cartoon somewhere. I'm I'm not aware of that, but. Um, she's in, she's in a couple of those, um, event, well, not Avengers. Well, there's one Avenger she's in and the other one is like, um, it's her and Squirrel Girl and, and Spider-Gwen or Ghost Spider. And then, um, I think America Chavez is in there. One of those, they should, but I don't think, I don't know if they ever get to her origin in it. So. Oh, the animated mm-hmm. Marvel Rising. Yeah, that's it. Yep. 
Now, her first appearance was actually 2013, Captain Marvel number 14. 2013 mm. is what's oh, okay. as her first appearance. Huh. So, we'll um, we'll try and do it in a way that doesn't spoil the show. But uh, you know, her her origin is is simultaneously a lot different and not really different at all mm-hmm. <laughs> in a weird way right. you know well the origin in the comics has her basically they t- at the time there was all that stuff going on with fox and marvel and they didn't want to promote the x-men and they didn't want to promote the fantastic four so the inhumans got a really big push and therefore um kamala khan becomes uh, an inhuman she gets exposed to the terrigen mist and becomes uh, uh that's that's the whole thing and she's in that way in the comics um the television show takes a different approach and there's there's a, it's one of those things where um i don't want to spoil the show if you haven't seen it because it is so recent and there are plans obviously that that you know that i'm not spoiling anything by saying that she's going to show up in the marvels which is technically the sequel to captain marvel um with monica rambeau and 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 carol but it's one of those things where they definitely it's you know there was a lot of you know, early on, there were a lot of people that were upset that the, it wasn't quite the same as it is in the comics, and it's not; it's different. But in a lot of ways, it is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, without getting into the specifics of what is different. <laughs> Again, it's hard to talk about it because I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it yet. Right. Right. So they do I mean, a lot the, of the, the. Go ahead. The long and short of it, it's kind of weird, like in a weird way that that you know that that now really they're kind of. Uh, playing hands off with, with the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a little bit right. of an attempt to sort of distance her from it. Cause in the comics, like you said, like she, she's there, there's like a Terrigen mist, uh, uh, you know, event basically mm-hmm. that kind of were like all these characters ended up getting like powers and stuff like that. And Miss Marvel happened to be like one of the, one of the characters that was created in this, in this event that, that mm. had kind of a shared origin with other characters. Right. Right. Um, and in the show, like her powers are much more tied to like an artifact. Yes. You know, and there's a lot um, of theories about what that artifact could actually be or is, or there's that whole aspect of it. So, yeah, I mean, but other than that, it's like her powers are exactly the same. Right. Sure. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, sort basically of. like, you know, Thanks. visually looks, uh, looks a little different in, in, right. in design, but right. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. she does everything she does in the comics and there's really not a whole lot different. Right. There's not a lot of difference, but it is a different origin for her than it is in the comics, right. for sure. Mm. And the power change, I can understand. So basically, like she gets big hands. Like she's she's <laughs> in the comics, she stretches. Right. The giant right. hands are like her favorite go-to. Yes, uh, called embiggening is what mm-hmm. she calls it after the the Simpsons. But uh, in the show, it's more of like energy manis- manifestations, light manifestations. So that's how it's depicted instead of just like her hands getting big or her, or her legs getting long. Um, you know, she can kind of use these, these energy constructions, these light constructions as it. And, and my kind of theory on that, I haven't heard any of the, the people talk about it involved in the show or anything. My theory on that is just that they possibly thought visually it would look too similar to Reed Richards, mm-hmm. who we know mm-hmm. is coming. Right. To have right. two characters show up fairly close together, both with kind of stretching powers. I, I, I think that's why they wanted to differentiate them. And like, and it doesn't take anything away from her. I don't think by doing it this way, I think it's a really cool look. 
right. and works yeah. visually in the show. Yeah, and, and she's, you know, regardless of whether we ever get to the point where she's actually doing what she does in the comics, the actress they chose um, is so right. delightful. It's like, yeah. you know, who cares? Yeah. Honestly, enjoy the fact that they, they nailed that part with her. So, I mean, she's phenomenally great in that part as, 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 uh, as Miss Marvel. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, I've been a big fan of the character, uh, ever since she showed up in, I think I started reading, I don't remember the first appearance of their saying 2013, but I started reading with her first issue and like the stuff about being inhuman. Like, I love this character. That stuff was never important to me. So mm-hmm. they changed that. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's fine. Because like what was right. important to me is the the personality and the relationships with her family and everything about who she is. And that stuff's 100% the same in the show as the comic. And, and they absolutely yeah. nailed it. They so, crush it. Yeah. So yeah, like, <laughs> like these other changes, I'm like, I'm not going to be a stickler on any of this stuff. Cause like they gave me the, like what I think is the heart of this character. Yep. And yeah. the other stuff still works. I think they've made it a little more personal yeah. too. Yeah, you know, like like uh, it doesn't feel so so happenstance. Also, right. at the same time, you right? Know? Yeah, in the event in the comics, it's basically, I mean, and they covered this in the Agents of Shield show too, so people might be familiar with it from that because they did a similar storyline a little bit in Agents of Shield around the same time. But you had people on Earth that were inhumans and didn't know it. Until mm-hmm. they were exposed to Terrigen mist that would like activate inhuman powers and in people that didn't know they were inhuman on Earth. And and that's what happens. It's basically just a cloud, like a bomb goes off of Terrigen mist all over the Earth and activates mm-hmm. all the inhumans. So it's kind of, it is very just like, all oh, this thing happened and now she has powers and the show makes it a much more personal connection than that. Right. Tommy, where do you want to go next? Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Superman. I didn't think we'll hit Ms. Marvel. <laughs> All right. I heard Superman. Let's do Superman. Sure. <laughs> everybody everybody knows this one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But to me, what I like to dwell on is the trendiness of it and the changes that they felt that needed to make for some reason. Like, mm-hmm. throughout everything that you guys said earlier, it's all about, I mean, the bear, the, the bones of the character is always there, but they always make trendy or... Um, answering questions or updating things that didn't really need updating. I mean, um, it, I think, I guess, would be just to introduce it to a newer audience to, like what you said exactly with radioactive as opposed to um, genetically modified. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I can remember the first real change to Superman was the mm-hmm. birthing matrix that I came across with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> where, where, that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I said, too. Because, I mean, if you think about it scientifically, which I never did, was that Krypton was so far away that you couldn't possibly put a baby in it. Right. So they put uh, uh, genetic material. Uh, (laughs) I got you. They like 3D printed a baby. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's one way so, of putting it. Okay. Yeah. Or or Superman was a test tube baby for that right. winter. Yeah. 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 That yeah. was weird to me and a little gross. But the other part of that was, that, if I remember correctly, was that since it was, I mean, we're talking, it's 86, 87, right? Yes. Yes. So you're talking yeah. at that point. Say, say, say where it appears, because this appears in a classic, classic Superman story. It's Man of Steel, right? 
Yeah. By John Byrne, correct? By John Byrne. Yeah. Yes. Second time second time mentioned on the episode. But mm-hmm. the part of it other also was in that and it never occurred to me until it was brought up was um not only is it the genetic the, the matrix has got, you know, it's like a big test tube or, or a big cyclotron that he's going through space, but the idea of it is also that he's born in America. So he's an American citizen at that point. Yeah, technically, yes. Yeah. Okay. So that was like a big that was a big push like a big thing too for like the whole truth, justice in the American way, which I'm like, <laughs> I get it, but he's still Kryptonian, so what? Okay, yeah, sure. he's still an alien, yeah. but yeah, right. I get what Byrne was trying to do, but it just to me, it it came off as you did you you did too much with it. You yes. know, it was it was a it was a, a check that no one needed to, a box that no one needed checking, so to speak. Right. Really quick, I mean, it, I I think also it's like it it just ruins the elegance of the origin. Yeah. Instead of making baby rocketed from a dying planet lands on Earth and granted powers by the yellow sun, it's genetic material <laughs> from right. a futuristic alien society that no longer gave birth. Right. <laughs> is yes. rocketed to Earth, right? And well, I you mean, know, and yeah, and I I always that that like it was designed to to I guess like like farther uh um cling him to earth in a way and it was also like i'm like well i never thought there was a problem with that so uh, you, you know what i mean it's just like like an answer to a question i never had right. ever well, I mean, it's, but it's also the, the classics the bit of like you know the 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 i mean i don't know how broken up i would be about putting genetic material into a rocket <laughs> mm-hmm. right? right yeah as opposed to like putting my child like like the scene of Joel and laura telling him you know hey we we love you and you know you're our hope in our future and putting him in a rocket is much more you know, compelling, then I'm going to put yeah. my genetic material into a rocket. Right. Yeah. I'm putting this DNA sample in this yep. escape pod. I'm going to put it right yeah, in this right. pod and hope, roll the, roll the dice. I mean, I guess if planetarily, everybody, like, that's how it was done. Sure. Maybe, maybe there would be a little bit more of an emotional, you know? Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. That Like, it, it is, it, there is a separation for that. Like, as a reader, it's like, yeah, right. okay. And you lose all the, again. Also, the fact that it's a it was at that point a more modern telling was the fact that you lost all those Silver Age stories, like all those you know, baby Kal-El on Krypton stories are gone because there was no baby Kal-El on Krypton. Yeah. I mean, they do. I mean, they do make a point to show that Krypton, like he does, make a point to try and make the more alien on Krypton and it's more sterile, you know, and that they were not really. Um, there was not even like they were, you know, they weren't they weren't intimate in the sense that they like didn't they didn't really touch right that was kind of the thought process there but again that you lose the idea that i don't know i like the idea that if 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 if, Cal, if krypton hadn't exploded it's not like his parents would have been terrible to him they would have loved him on krypton too but the fact that he does get rocketed away that he you know hits the the the, the cosmic lottery of finding the kents that also adds to superman's humanity and that's why we you know that's why the kents are great but again, if that yeah. hadn't happened, it's not like he would have been stuck for, you know, you know, it's not like Jor-El was awful and Lara was awful. So that always that that whole bit about the genetic matrix, I'm like, eh, I guess. But no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And plus also like, you know, our knowledge of physics has has evolved, too. So now, like, we know wormholes are a thing. Mm-hmm. So like, all right, a wormhole technology. And that's why right. he's still a baby when he gets to Earth. Yeah. Done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but yeah, but so okay. So what other changes, Tommy? Oh, the other thing I was going to mention was the whole thing with Brainiac. Yeah, uh, Brainiac. Yeah. 
ends up being the the world dominating reason as to why Krypton is destroyed. Other than the whole xenophobic air of Krypton as to why it wouldn't be um, enveloped by yellow sun at any particular point in time. But the one I the one I got from uh, what Superman the animated series mm-hmm. was that Brainiac is the whole reason as to why uh, Krypton was destroyed because he, well at least why the while the race died out is because he did he tricked them into believing that um, he would help them solve the problem when he didn't, which mm. is kind of makes them dumber than you know a bag of rocks. To believe Brainiac <laughs> on that level, you know. He has like he has a supercomputer, like he's he's a thirteenth level yeah. intelligence. Like that whole thing is you know there yeah. too. But well, to me that that didn't work either. Well, I mean it doesn't it doesn't because it doesn't really explain as to why. Hmm, I could do it here. I could do it. Throughout the universe, you know, mm-hmm. trick races and steal them. I, I rather I like the the whole thing where he he does it without any idea or you know it's it's separate from the two. But as far as causing Krypton's destruction, it's just or, or at least causing them to be uh, destroyed as a race is like hmm okay yeah he doesn't cause it but he allows it to take place. Yeah, but he doesn't save the people. He's like, nah. Yeah, no, he does. Start, Basically, yes. Jarrell has has research that shows that Krypton is ending, and they and and they basically go to Brainiac, who's the like the all knowing, right? <laughs> like AI, <laughs> right. and right. then they're like, and he and he and he basically doesn't corroborate his research, and he's like, no, he's he's made mistakes. There's errors to this. Like Krypton's gonna be fine, and then you find out, like, no, 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 Jarrell's right. He's lying. <laughs> right you know this supercomputer they're putting too much faith in mm-hmm. yeah like that's their fault yeah this is one that's stuck though i mean krypton's uh brainex kryptonian origin like has stuck around from time to time yeah not a hundred percent but no it's there and i mean what i see a lot of times now is is people trying to do it both ways right mm-hmm. like how to get uh, the Kryptonian AI robotic Brainiac, and also somehow meld that with the green Milton Fine, uh, blonde, <laughs> blonde hair, goateed, uh, right. mustache twirling Brainiac bad guy from the Silver Age, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking of like the Jeff Johns like Superman Brainiac comic, right? We're like that was a little bit of like trying to trying to do both, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, that's the other. With the, with the, that's another one with that. That you talking about the Secret Origins one? Uh, yeah. That one is. There's also the idea in that one that's got the. I think it's a more of a. Uh, but we get it. Well, we don't really get it in too many animated series, but we definitely get it in the in the Secret Origins. Is the idea that, um, they try to try to tie the parasite into Luthor, like par, like Rudy Jones is is the guy that works for like LexCorp, and that's how uh-huh. he gets his his parasite powers. Or from you know, like from an accident, Lex Corp, or you know, or a or a planned accident by Lex. Um, yeah, you know, Lex orchestrates it or whatever. That's one that I thought was, um, and then you also have like, um, like in Mark Wade's Birthright, the idea mm. of Clark of Clark doing going around the world, kind of like Bruce Wayne, and doing stuff, um, like doing like basically acting you know, super heroic. And doing stuff, but not with a Superman costume, which I I don't I'm not a huge fan of. Right. Just because it's one thing to learn, like be like Bruce Wayne and learn skills, you know, and mm-hmm. never see those people again or pay those people off or whatever Bruce Wayne did. 
it's another to be like Superman and lifting a car or a truck in 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 Haiti and taking out a warlord. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or you know, it, it's it that people tend to and, and especially like it wasn't this was Birthright came out I know in the two thousands so it's early two thousands so that's a while ago but now with the proliferation of like cell phones and everyone's got a, a you know a recording device in their pocket I just don't think that even with the whole idea that he runs so like he moves so fast or he blurs his face or whatever I just think it's a lot I it's 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 done also in um. What's the Max Brooks book um, that came out? American American Alien? Yeah. Max yeah. Brooks? No, no, no. Max, yeah. um, Max Landis. Max Landis. Max Landis. I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Max Landis. Um, in that book, there's a little, there's a lot of like, there's a bit of him traveling around, which I like. I like the way it's done in there. It's kind of like, um, but it's also similar to Birthright, the idea that he'd be able to do that. Um, also, the, the thing about I like about Birthright is it's, um, is the idea that he gets to like the signal from Krypton takes so long to get to Earth that he finally gets to see that no, his parents, you know, didn't like they did love him and they did want him to be the best for him. Um, that's also where you also like I don't know if this is another one, but when did we get the point from like Lexus goes from just being like, hey, we grew up together in Smallville, I don't really like you, you made me lose my hair, villain, <laughs> to I don't like you because you came to Metropolis and you pushed me out of the way of the limelight. Oh, and by the way, I hate aliens, and I'm just taking it out on you. I know that was a lot there, but right. Well, I mean, isn't that Man of Steel though? A lot of the, a lot of the, like, I did all this for Metropolis, and now it is, but it's not so much. And you're pushing me out of the way. Well, there is that, but he's also the reinvention of being like being like the corporate raider type, Lex Luthor, as opposed to like the prison jumpsuit or the the purple and green, um, jumpsuit or cost or like armor. That's a reinvention from the origins and stuff, but um, that even that had the origins that that still had the basis in him of like they grew up to like they they knew each other in Smallville. I'm saying like the the Man of Steel one is the one where he's like the the corporate raider or the 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 business tycoon who happens to be brilliant in everything too, but you know makes his fortune, and then Superman comes along and 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 basically takes the number one spot of Metropolis. But the one I'm trying to think, I, I do think Birthright is where the first thing of like uh, of Lex being like, no, aliens are the problem. You know, we have to deal with the alien threat, and you're the like the vanguard from some kind of invasion force. Because that's the thing that they bring in 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 more modern uh, Lex and and Superman stuff, which I'm not a huge fan of. I don't I don't think that Lex needs to, you know, I don't think I don't think a guy that's I, in my mind, I, I think that a guy that is smart as Lex Luthor would see the the benefit of, at least if not the exchange of technology, the idea of of being able to take or steal technology from other places or adapting it to his own stuff. Like I think I don't think he would look at it as like, oh, aliens are the problem. Right. In my own interpretation of Lex, I've never believed that that's actually his motivation. I think it's just what he says because mm-hmm. he hates anyone that tries to stand in his way at all batman humans whatever <laughs> right i think it's just like the excuse he makes up to himself to be like okay. no it's the aliens that are raw right mm. and you get a little you get a little of the the i mean in in the animated series you definitely get some the that's definitely the the businessman villain right yeah for sure you know, that particular take I like that. Ver- I think I think in order for the thing that Clifton says that doesn't work for him, I think the businessman has to be part of that mm-hmm. in order for it to work. 
I, th- I think that's why I, pr- I, I love it in the animated series is that Lex, right? Because Lex does try to do right for humanity and, and, but he's also like, he wants his cut. That's the important part. Like he wants his cut and he wants his credit first. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then whatever help he can do after that is, is fine. <laughs> right. Right. Sure. All right, so we're going to pick this back up next week and we're going to touch upon some of the other characters we didn't get to. But as always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on letmeknowhowitis.com. Just please remember to like us and follow us on social media and we will see you for part two next week. 